Welcome to A Million Baptist Podcast, where we discuss church life, theological questions, and cultural influences. Our podcasts are available via Google, Spotify, Apple, and many other podcast platforms. We hope you subscribe and enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to Amelia Baptist Roundtable. This is with me and Dylan today, and we hope that you have had a wonderful week, and we thank you so much for tuning in. We are going to be discussing false teachers out of Second Peter 2 today, but before we do, let's talk about what it means to be a Jags fan yep. as a Christ follower. I was going to ask you, it <laughs> seems like they're having a great uh, exciting season like the last couple seasons yes yeah, some... um, I know you're a big fan and so I want just want to get your take on um, how your sanctification process is going with this year's journey. right some might think what in the world does a conversation about false teachers have to do with being a Christian Jags fan hey brother I've learned with you you can turn it into a, uh, a Christian talk well they teach anytime they teach segues in <laughs> seminary as part of uh, passing credit right um, that and acronyms it's uh, very extensive but a Christian that, right? a Christian Jags fan and to separate from just any old Jags fan a Christian Jags fan uh, really understands that to enjoy the team is to not put one's faith in the team because one's faith is already restored in Christ Jesus. And people have kept, uh, they've kept asking me, what are your thoughts on Trevor Lawrence? What are your thoughts on Urban Meyer? I don't want to give an opinion on those guys yet until maybe at least eight games. I mean, we, we obviously see that there are some misfirings and a lack of communication between the sidelines and the team itself, but Trevor Lawrence uh, has what I think is the NFL's lowest uh, completion rate or something like that right now in two games. And so there's a lot of people that like to say, well, you know, Peyton Manning in his rookie year, he threw a lot of interceptions too. And we're not just talking about a lot of interceptions. We're talking about the inability to move the ball. And so he's not having a good looking two games, but two things out of it. One, my faith is not in that team. Yeah. I love that team. Uh, I have since 1994. Yeah, one of your one of the things I remember about you the most is – uh, right when you arrived here at Millie Baptist, we were talking about the Jags. And you said, I'm going to see the Jags in the Super Bowl, even if I'm in a assisted living facility when I'm watching it with all my yeah. assisted living facility that, pals. That dream just yeah. gets uh, more and more faded. Real. With no more and more <laughs> faded <laughs> with time. Less real. More of an illusion. Uh, unlike my aging, which is very real. But uh, one thing, my faith isn't in that team, nor should your faith be in that team. And if you can fill stadiums, you can fill church pews. But two, our actions uh, come from our motives. And that's one thing that we're really diving into um, right now during Amelia Baptist Church sermon series. Uh, we've gone through First Peter, and we're now heading into Second Peter. And we are smack dab in the middle of of two sermons in Second Peter chapter 2, a book that is all about remembering. And so he's challenged us by reminding us as Christians, as the New Testament church, you will suffer because of the things outside of the church. And he turns it around on us in chapter 2, and he says, actually, you'll also suffer from people that look like Christians. So from inside the church, you also have to have your wits about you. You also have to guide your life in biblical principles and in solid truth. And so Second Peter chapter 2, while given sort of the major title, False Teachers, is about many other things. But during this roundtable podcast today, we are going to be discussing several traits, authentic or counterfeit. The main question, how would you recognize counterfeit Christianity within our circles? What do you think about that, Dale? 
Yeah, I think it's uh, it's not easy to recognize counterfeit sometimes um, because, you know, really it looks like the real deal. Um, I'm always reminded uh, my dad wasn't banking before uh, he went into the family business. And one thing he would always say is if you want to recognize the counterfeit, uh, you study the real deal. You don't study the counterfeit bills. You right. study the real, uh, you know, $20 bills, $100 bills. So you know what the real thing looks like. Right. Then when the false comes along, you're able to see it. Yeah. And I think that applies a lot to uh, counterfeit in our current culture in the Christian circle. You're going to recognize it if you know the real deal. It's a really good illustration uh, for those small groups or Sunday schools that are always kind of really into and really peering into occults and um, false beliefs or things that claim to be Christianity but aren't, or just world religions, but they're not really reading their Bible and they're not really in the Word of God. So we've been given access to special revelation, the truth of God's holy Word, so we should be in that first and foremost. But it is fair to say that we've been commanded to concern ourselves because it's in God's holy Word, and we know from First Timothy that all of this is made for our benefit and for our reproof and for our edification. So in the same way... Uh, we see false teachers today pretty rampantly and with bigger platforms at least able to reach more and more people with hundreds and hundreds of thousands of views on YouTube and uh, podcasts and everywhere kind of spitting lies that are unbiblical in their nature uh, that rest in nothing but their own authority which is flawed and sinful. We see that false prophets were a constant problem in the Old Testament too and those who falsely claimed to be prophets of God were stones. This is something the people of God have always taken rather seriously, but probably now in more of a politically correct age, or at least an age that is very gun-shy when it comes to casting out aspersions or judgment, even if it's a righteous judgment, even if it's right, they're not built for the attitude that comes with making a judgment like that. So they sort of back off and shy Lin, one of my favorite rappers, uh, who actually was a pastoral apprentice for Mark Dever, which is an amazing story if you ever look into it, but shy Lin he says, uh, today the only heresy is saying that there's heresy. And it's a great way to really sum up the problem and why we felt the need to focus on that. So let's take a quick look at the verses itself. If you're listening and you have a Bible close, uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, and I don't want to read the entirety of it. I'll leave you to do that at home. But it consists of 21 verses in chapter 2. And just to sort of spot check something that will help us uh, with our discussion today, we see at the very beginning in verse 1, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. Notice the word secretly there. This is not going to be something that happens blatantly all the time, that we have to have our wits about us. We have to know what we're talking about. And it says, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction, a, a serious tone in Peter's voice, and then many will follow their sensuality, uh, feelings, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed, that many will sacrifice at the altar their feelings and what they want and what they perceive to be true over what is actually true. And my goodness, it's not like that's going on everywhere right now. And in their greed, they will exploit, exploit you with false words. And what I love so much, uh, just to stop there for a second, is this was 2,000 years ago. And one of the main instincts we have when it comes to recognizing false teachers is to follow the money. And yet here he is. He's already mentioned greed and bought as something that uh, will happen. Um, Jesus bought us with his blood, and we deny the master who bought us, which means we are hook, line, and sinker with somebody else if we're doing that. So in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. 
their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction, again, the word destruction, is not asleep. And then it moves on to discussing the sensual conduct of the wicked. You have some angel talk in there, which we can make sense of in another podcast. But moving into verse 17, these are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. We are seeing in the scriptures the disconnect to the firm foundation or the cornerstone of Jesus as our truth. Jesus is not your dear Abbey column. He's not your advice counsel. He is the truth. He is not a beginning or a truth. He is the word. And so everything that you do, say, how you work, every decision you make in your life, it is based not just on, well, you know, what would a good Christian do? It's based on what would Christ say is the most God-glorifying thing in my life right now, what I should be doing and how I should be doing it. So it's making Jesus our not only our Savior, but also our Lord. And so it goes on in verse 18 to say, For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice another sensual word by sensual passions of the flesh. These are things that we need biblical discipleship for because the Holy Spirit needs to conquer the flesh. And they promise them freedom. Empty promises are often associated with false teachings and by obeying or believing those empty promises, we find ourselves a slave to corruption. Pastor Neal's rather notorious for always saying, you're a slave to somebody. And I think it's Bob Dylan that's notorious for saying it, and then Pastor Neal always quotes Bob Dylan, which we greatly appreciate. But for if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of enslaved, or for the, through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I'm sorry, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. It really takes a dark, serious turn about what chasing sin and not recognizing the dangers of sin do in the life of people. Yeah, and I think you and Pastor Neil have both brought up uh, in this series at church so far that this is really kind of Peter's towards the end of his life here, um, and this is kind of his uh, last will and testament, right. and saying, "Hey, watch out!" You know, to the believers, you know, I've run the race. I'm at the end here. Be careful. Look for uh, you know authentic and counterfeit Christianity. Yeah. Um, you know, and so that brings us to the question: authentic versus counterfeit. How can we recognize uh, specifically what counterfeit Christianity looks like? Exactly. Uh, I loved your illustration with the treasury and the dollar bill. Uh, something along the lines of how do you spot a fake? Well, you know the original. I want everyone to keep that in mind as we take a good take on Second Peter 2 and we read about counterfeit believers. If you put these chapters, Second Peter 1 and Second Peter 2, side by side, you will see the difference between authentic and and counterfeit believers. And so 2 Peter 1 is all about what it looks like to truly follow Christ Jesus, and 2 Peter 2 is what we look out for. So there are huge differences there. First and foremost, a different source. A different source. Where does the message come from? As far as traits to determine whether or not the teaching that you're being given is authentic or counterfeit, where does the message come from? Peter says we did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says the false teachers exploit you with stories they have made up. So what we realize is the true teacher sources what he says from the Bible. I think it's flabbergasting to see so many pastors these days preach without the word next to them. They've turned into glorified TED Talks because in all honesty, they know the majority of people who are attending their services, statistics alone, are completely bored by the Word of God. So why in the world would they have the Bible up there? And we see this in a lot of pragmatic... Or you throw in your token verse, you know? Right. Well, and, and that's... Expand on, on and, that. And I, exactly. Know, without, yeah. Uh, making sure that it, it lines up through the whole Word of God. You know, right. And that you're not taking it out of context there. 
Yeah, so the difference between exegesis and eisegesis. Mm-hmm. Exegesis is pulling out from the Scripture what the Scripture actually says. Exactly. Eisegesis sort of looks like you're decorating a cake or a card with all your favorite lines and all your favorite verses. So you're walking through something you want to say to a convention or if something you want to say at a revival, and you Google inspirational Bible verses, and you take 10 of them, and you know, you're know you an exegetical pastor because that's Scripture up there. That's the Word of God up there. Unfortunately, everything that you've said is completely without context, and it's not diving into the Scriptures themselves. They are being used, and often, if we're being honest, used in the wrong way mm-hmm. to deliver the message of the speaker. Well, the speaker is not the source. This is why it's important exactly. to determine false teaching from true, sincere teaching. Is the guy up there making up his own message? It's a huge indicator of what is a false teacher, or who is a false teacher, and what is a false belief. Number two, different message. Not knowing only the source, but then what is the substance of the message. I think it's really important to be a Christ-centered church in everything that you say and everything that you do. Yeah. Pastor Noel has a, a quote that he's used a lot is, everything points back to the cross. And, you know, he's talked about the North Star. And I think, you know, if you start having a message that points away from Christ and starts pointing to other sources or other things, you're missing really the point of God's word and the gospel and, and what is being taught there. Um, and you're treading in dangerous territory, you know, when you get into that. Yep. Uh, Peter said in chapter 1, verse 3, we have everything we need for life and godliness in him. I went over this, I think, for about 25 minutes at the pulpit, that if you are pursuing godliness, you have everything you need in Christ Jesus and what he has already accomplished, that other Christians are not the standard for how you live. They're not the standard by which you judge Christ. Christ is the standard. Christ is who uh, you emulate. Christ is who you serve. So it says again, uh, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. That's in chapter 2, verse 1. So you see the parallelism right there versus uh, Jesus versus false teacher. And notice the word secretly there. It's rare for someone in the church to openly deny Jesus. In fact, we just have to be kind of honest. And I think what happens is... People who say bad things about very popular speakers, and what I mean by bad things is make the accusation that they are not what they seem. So it's not necessarily inherently bad, but it seems bad because we live in a zero-tolerance criticism culture, depending on who you're criticizing. So if there's a very likable guy up on the pulpit, um, and he is preaching, and the message makes you feel good, and the message tickles your ears, and it tells you everything that you can do, and Jesus is there to help you in your prerogatives, you start seeing and believing that, and it then has effect on the people listening. Well, there's no accident that a lot of these guys, even in their mannerisms, it's rather evident that they are getting a giant kick of being an entertainer rather than being humbled by the weight of their job, humbled by the cross, humbled by the message that... You might not have to, you might not need to exude such ridiculous types of confidence up on stage if you really knew that your job was wielding the word of God in the right way for the people of God. When you, when you recognize that, hopefully you tend to take a step back and it's obviously less about you and more about the message. Yeah. Which kind of leads us into point three. Um, different position. Explain that to us a little bit. Right. So the first two are inward, coming from the source material, coming from the speaker. Is the pastor, does he understand he is a messenger and not the entertainer? You know, is this a 
a TED Talk or is this a sermon or a message? So the third one is different position. This has to do, as well as what we'll see with character, appeal, and fruit, something that has to do with the listener. False beliefs will produce false Christians. A false gospel will create believers or unbelievers who look like believers. This is why this is so incredibly important to get right. Uh, the true Christian, what we hear in 1 Peter 1.4, escapes, I'm sorry, 2 Peter 1.4, escapes the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. How does he do that? By making sure that everything that's being said to him and how he is mirroring his life and spiritual disciplines and obedience to the commandments of Christ is all centered around Christ. Listen to how Peter describes the counterfeit Christian. They promise freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity, for a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. You have false teacher after false teacher not saying anything negative about Jesus. He's not saying bad things about Christ. He's not going up there and he's, he's not saying terrible things that you recognize right away. He's saying things like, Jesus wants you to be happy. And Jesus wants you so badly to have the things that you want to have. Unfortunately, both things I just said, while they sound incredibly pleasing, are nowhere in Scripture whatsoever. Yeah. In fact, we see Jesus saying, he who's going to follow me has to you know, take up his cross daily. And that's a totally different idea right. than, hey, everything's going to be great um, once you follow Christ. Right. And so the, then it becomes, well, I'm just going to follow Christ because my life gets better in my worldly standards of what better is. Um, you know, uh, the pressures of life uh, change or um, I'm able to, uh, you know, have a great job now because Jesus helped me with that. And while God does bless and allow those, uh, you know, we're not saying that. Um, that's not the purpose of Christianity, of knowing Christ. When we know Christ, it compels us to share that and compels yeah. us to be ambassadors for him, right. um, which is totally different than it being about us. Right. It's about him. This is why it's so important to examine our position, not just the source material and not just how the preacher or a person speaking is throwing the material out to the congregation. The true believer is escaping corruption. So if you're living a corrupted life, but you're always under this teacher and you believe that uh, you are in disobedience, because of the things you are doing, you have to understand you are mastered by your sin. And it's a good time right there not to blame someone who's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and not to say it's their fault, it's whoever is teaching, teaching me is fault that I am doing the things I'm doing. No, you have to see the position of what the message is saying. And then that's when you take it back to the source material. So false beliefs, false teachers, not just clarify your position, whether or not you're serving the one true God or the, the world around you, it shows character which leads to fruit. So what kind of people does the message produce and what result does the, me the message have in people's lives? This is further introspection in determining what is a false, uh, who is a false teacher and what is a false belief. The true believer pursues goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. The counterfeit Christian is marked by arrogance and slander. Remember, we got that in one five and then arrogance and slander in chapter 2.10. The two chapters parallel each other perfectly. They are experts in greed, and their eyes are full of adultery. They also despise authority. And so we have this general characteristic of the counterfeit believer, where if that is what's marking your life, it's typically because what you have believed to be true, you are now applying. And if you are being told by people that look like Christ followers, but are honest to goodness no different 
than Tony Robbins, but there's a cross on the stage. You have walked through the lie that it's all for you and it can all be done by you and you don't need uh, other people. You have everything you need inside of you. So now we're defying the truth of our sinful nature. We're defying the complete dependence on the Holy Spirit, which we're going over with our student ministry in Daniel chapter 9. We're forgetting where the power comes from. And when you forget where the power comes from to be holy, you stop being holy. And false beliefs help us do that. False teachings help us do that. And it becomes all about you again. Right, which it's bottom line is that's something we're dealing with all the time. Your flesh is a 24-7 news channel telling you it's all about you. That's what it does. Every single day you wake up. The fact that you have to wake up and meditate in the new morning mercies of Christ Jesus and fill your mind. Why why do you think you have to fill your mind with the word? Because your mind's empty of the word. Your flesh is empty. Your flesh empties it. Your flesh consistently chases the things it wants to hear. And I think people will say, but see, when you're saved, though, you want the things of the Lord. Amen to that. But it's the Holy Spirit in you that wants the things of the Lord. And better yet, it will be the Holy Spirit that recognizes what you're being told is not of the Lord. And so there's this great wisdom and discernment that comes through an understanding of the Scriptures and a knowledge of the Word and being able to spot the counterfeits. And then when you are the kind of person that's producing bad character because of the things that you've bought, hook, line, and sinker from the most attractive people on stage rather than the most godly people in the book, you see that the result has an effect in people's lives. You see that they promise a lot, but they produce little. And I think that kind of execution or the lack thereof is fairly popular within younger generations. There's a lot of talk. There's a lot of game. There's a lot of spit the truth, but there's not a lot of follow through. There's not a lot of action. This is generation after generation seems to enhance in spiritual apathy and idolatry and worldly worship, but yet it's all sort of appeased and okayed because of our cultural zeitgeist and our approval um, uh, for, that we long for, for the, of this world. And so if we're not living for the truth, then the lies will captivate us and our lives will look like those lies. And this is what's so important for Peter to have his readers know during, like you said, his last will and testament. And I think it's uh, interesting that some of the great men and women of the faith that we see uh, that God has used greatly, um, their their influence has not been realized until after uh, their death. And that's not always the case, but uh, the cool thing about that to me is that while they were living here, it wasn't about them. They were not this major personality or, or yeah. this person out there doing it for themselves. Yeah. It's after the fact that you see the Spirit of God continue to work through the humble, uh, surrendered service that they gave, and you're, you start to see the fruits and the appeal of their life down the road. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one neat thing that you can see about many of the men and women of the faith. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think to sort of sum it all up as we come to a close— one thing we need to realize is that you might run into people who are listening to who they want to listen to. And uh, I've had a really hard one lately where I was talking to a woman whose husband is listening to this person who is not preaching the word of God, but, but is looking and saying they are preaching the word of God. Cause of course they are. It's a great disguise. And she even said, it's so hard because he's better. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, he's just better than who, than who he was before he started listening to this person. And so here now, we have, the resu- we have a good result, at least in, her, in the wife's eyes, of this person listening to false teachers. And we had just gone over 
character and appeal and fruit. So how could that make sense? Well, because it's possible to do good things without being godly. And why is that important? Because all pathways lead to an end. One of the final reasons why it's so incredibly important to know the difference between something that's authentic and real and something that is a caricature is because we will end in a certain place. And here we are, the most disturbing contrast of all between chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Second Peter. The true believer will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yet the false believer, who's believed things, and this is why there's such a heavy burden on all of these false teachers making billions of dollars off of desperate people, which is despicable in nature, the false believer will experience swift destruction. Those who are not in the Lord will not end with the Lord. They will end apart from the Lord, and it's a travesty. And so we really, at the end of the day, I kind of have to ask myself, yeah, this person may not like me. This person may see that I've exposed this, or better yet, not me, but the Bible has exposed these lies. They just are bored by the Bible. Statistics say people aren't reading the Bible, but they're coming to church. So let's walk that out. If people are reading the Bible, and they're, they're still coming, if the people are not reading the Bible, I'm sorry, and then they're coming to church, that means that they're bored with biblical, exegetical sermons. Typically, they're bored. They want to be out of that room. Why would they want to stay in that room when they're never reading the Word of God, and the Word of God is being faithfully preached from the pulpit? And so what is the, the contemplation among the messenger, among the pastor? Well, I need to spice this thing up a little bit, or we need to just lay off this, or it must be some tradition we're doing that's turning the people off, or we need to move. Why? Because the seats are empty, man. And then there's no faith in the ultimate calling that God has brought to you uh, and, and equipped you to do. There's no stay fast in the word, preach Christ, like H.P. Charles says, preach Christ and Christ crucified. Your best advice to a pastor, continue to preach Christ and Christ crucified, and then tell yourself that every single morning. Why? Because you will be tempted to do and say whatever it takes to fill those seats, and in doing so, could create a different end from a lot of people that could have heard the true gospel. And a pastor that is preaching the Word of God and preaching Christ is encouraging his flock to be in the Word and to take what's being said and see what the Bible says about it, to measure that against the uh, inerrant Word of God that is always true and always uh, there to guide our uh, guide our steps, yeah. and uh, then you don't have to be producing. I mean, it's not up to you; it's up to the yeah, word right. of God. Yeah, right. You're not some as you're doing it. You're yeah. not some ma- magician that right. has some to clown make, on stage. You know, make people respond a specific way. Yeah, um, it's not. It's not your job pastors acting that. like Teddy Rupskin or Rupskin, whatever his name was, the, the bear that you touched that talked right. to you. It's like <laughs> you don't get to cha- decide what tape to put in that bear. Um, and I think all in term, you sort of realize that we have such a serious calling to speak the truth because so much is at stake. Mm. Like that's absolutely true. The real message back to the people who might say, you know, I heard what you said and it sounds like you're just saying be boring. Boring is holy. We can't have a good time. If passion is missing from your preaching, John Stott said it's a sin to make the Bible boring, which means if you're preaching it without passion, without love, that's evidence of something in the pastor. This is bigger than dynamic. We always hear that. We're like, what a dynamic pastor he was. I'm not as concerned with how dynamic the pastor is. I'm concerned with what the pastor is saying, how he's saying it, and who is he saying it to. And that is where we sort of need this biblical church cultural shift to avoid false teachings, to know that they're inside our camp, 
They are incredibly dangerous. They're not every large gathering, but they are not immune to large gatherings. There's certainly a lot of people that want to hear watered-down versions of the gospel rather than the gospel itself. So our message to you, especially during this post-COVID area where perhaps a real reason to remember the enemies of our lives and our goals is it's getting easier and easier for all of us to disconnect from the word prayer and fellowship under sort of new lines of justification. And, and as you guys are away from the fellowship during this time, for whatever reason, you know you're going to be more tempted to kind of go in other ways and go in other directions. This is why we say the word shepherd and flock and elders and congregation. We have a job to do with that. So we must throw all of our dependence upon Christ alone and his mission even still. So let's Try not to be naive and recognize the seriousness and the subtleties of false teachings. And then we'll realize that the existence of the counterfeit is never a good reason for rejecting the genuine. And I want us to sort of meditate on that. And uh, please, if you're interested, these sermons will be up on our YouTube channel at Amelia Baptist Church as well. We would love for you to, to subscribe to those. You'll know when they're being posted. Our goal, even the round tables, is of course discipleship, but also conversation. And we want to hear from you. So if you have anything to add or to say or message us, email us, we would be happy to talk about it um, and even add it or the content of something that you had or a question that you had to one of our roundtables in the future. We are always willing to do that. Anything to add, Dylan? Yeah, and for all you Jags fans out there, your hope's not in the Jaguars. No, your final hope is not in the Jaguars. (laughs) And certainly, yeah, we'll send a copy of this to Trevor Lawrence and maybe, uh, you know, a conversation in Second Peter will encourage him to throw And if he listens to this and wants to be on our our podcast here, (laughs) we won't say no to that. I'm sure we can have some great biblical discussions. Yes, if anyone knows Trevor Lawrence, Uh, send a a link this way. Him or uh, even Tim Tebow, we'd be happy to have him on here too. Yes, just those two though. (laughs) You guys, thank you so much for listening. We hope that you subscribe and we will see you next time.